Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. Over the years, guidelines for most J fashion styles have really firmly solidified, but navigating the more nebulous realm of OG fashion can cause some people to feel like they're walking on sand. Concrete becomes even more subjective and the resources quite literally slim down. To help guide us to better OG chords, we are talking to the envelope pusher of OG, Maddie Smith. But before we get into that, let's go on into some news and updates for this month. So usually we talk about our personal news and updates, but I want to mix it up a little bit and talk about community updates first Mm -hmm. because Royal Vegas Retreat happened (laughs) and... I'm here watching on the sidelines like... Bated breath. (laughs) I know the anticipation for it to go off without a hitch. A little bit of envy because I'm not there. Mm -hmm. But pictures and reviews are coming out and ooh, it looks like it was good. It looks like it was so good. Yeah, I'm I'm glad it went really well. Nice to have more J Fashion centered events that are like days long, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And considering that Royal Vegas Retreat's first year happened during COVID and it went so well, I can only assume that it's going to be getting better and bigger from here on out. And I'm really excited to see what Pretty Princess Club releases in the coming year because, man, I mean, if things are like even better COVID-wise next year, I'm eyeing flights, I'm eyeing tickets, I'm eyeing rooms. I think that we should like try to apply for like a, I don't know, a panel or something to do something there. That would be fun. I Highly agree. I highly agree. I'm really just crossing my fingers that we don't backslide in terms of COVID because Omnicron. Uh, Omnicron. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And just seeing pictures from Jade and other online friends that we have. Well, Jade has come to the reckoning of real life friend now, but primarily (laughs) online friends and seeing them all there. We're over here in Chicago crying, just like, I want to be there. Yeah. But it will happen. It will happen someday. So if you have not already seen the pictures from Royal Vegas Retreat, just look it up on Twitter. Pictures are already coming in and coming through and Pretty Princess Club does have pictures on their website already. So go on to their website, check it out and get your tickets for next year because we got to make this happen. We got to sustain this because it is necessary to the community. Mm -hmm. We don't have very many events like this that are like made by J Fashion participants for J Fashion participants. (laughs) So I think it's really cool. Like I feel like there's a place for both, you know, having the J Fashion element at a anime convention and then having that, you know, um, well, I mean, I still see it as kind of like a uh, Lolita (laughs) more centered event, Mm -hmm. but I think that can just open the door for more things. Like I'd rather have the Lolita event change into a general J fashion event or have other things like that rather than like the anime convention try to fit in every single thing you know I think it would be interesting to see how those sorts of events grow if we allow it I just had a great idea for a panel analysis of J fashion in anime and just like dissecting all of that and I'm sure it's already been done before but I think we could like go in depth right right exactly like been done before probably somebody have has written about it somebody has done a video about it but yeah just to see that at a convention everything's been done before (laughs) yeah doesn't mean we can't do it exactly So now switching gears, getting into our personal life updates. Kamila, how are you? Oh, <laughs> hi. I guess since we were talking about things for the community and stuff like that, I'll go into what me 
and Monique and Hayden and <laughs> I guess a list of others are kind of like working on. I did a collaborative video with uh, Cyber Girl and Mahal Prince and it came up in the video that we don't really have like a centralized place for Decora participants and stuff a lot of the time. It's like we're, we keep the fashion going but we're very like solitary in a way. It's very, um, oh there's a word and I know what word Decentralized. you're going. Decentralized. Yes, there you go. <laughs> like Bitcoin. Um. <laughs> so yeah, we're kind of decentralized, which is really cool. But they were talking about, yeah, we should have like a group or something like that. And we were saying like, we wouldn't have any time to really like maintain that group. But then I kind of spoke to Monique about it, you know, got some other friends involved like Hayden and just was like, okay, maybe if we like band together, we'd be able to host a Decora Discord kind of under the umbrella of emptying the clips since we already did our international Decora Day idea debut sort of thing. We were just like, yeah, maybe we can have this Discord. And right now the Discord is ready. I'm just finishing up a comic introducing the idea that will be on emptying the clips. So sometime in December, we should be having a Decora Discord for you to join and participate in and develop our community culture. I'm really excited to see how the current state of the Decora community culture will translate into a Discord format because it is so decentralized. Right. I am curious as to how the public forum, so to speak, will be, how active and what different conversations will take place in the space. Yeah, I keep like just imagining more things about like, I found this thing, I'm gonna make it into a hat. Or I found this thing, I'm gonna make it into this. I found 12 of these things. I'm just gonna keep finding more of these things. Just talking about collecting or things that we're making. I kind of feel like there's gonna be a lot of that. And then just like outfits and then different experimental things. Like, well, what if we turned birds into a decora outfit? Like, what's that gonna be like? <laughs> and everybody would be joining and be like, yeah, well, you know, I think we could incorporate it in this way. So I feel like my hopes are there would be a lot of innovation and talk of collections, feel good vibes and like, you know, encouraging each other to, you know, push the boundaries or yeah, you look really comfortable in that. <laughs> <laughs> I just had an idea for like a design series for like stickers or posters of J fashion substyles as fantasy creatures. And of course, Decora would be a dragon. <laughs> And their hoard would be accessories and hair clips and yeah, such. Yeah, I love that. And now I have to do it. Add it to the list. <laughs> yes, add it to the list. But yeah, so that's what I'm kind of like hoping for. I feel like there would just be a lot of people too that want to dress in this style, but they feel like too afraid to like, you know, put all the colors together or maybe just want to have a place to just like talk about their ideas or something um, and get more comfortable. Hopefully we can foster that sort of community there as well. It's gonna be interesting. I joined a couple discords that I knew of, which was like Fairy K, Lolita and Lolita mentoring, just to see like, oh, how do those groups communicate? What are those cultures like? The mentoring one has like, we're learning how to do this thing. <laughs> vibe and then the fairy k one is talking about updates of just like now perch just came out with this thing <laughs> oh my god we need to go get it and <laughs> or like you know depop updates people talk about general happenings in the j fashion community so i feel like there's a tiny bit of goss mm -hmm. <laughs> and then people asking about their outfits and just like yeah i'm trying to like use this item what do you think i could do people showing off their outfits and stuff so i feel like yeah yeah, that's pretty cool. But yeah, it's kind of just like, I don't know what a Decora version of that is going to be because just like we can say our community is similar to Lolita, similar to Fairy K, but it's like, is it though? There's such a different aspect, like a DIY almost punk aspect to mm -hmm. it that right. is very unique to Decora. Yes, exactly. I'm part of some zine discords too and I'm just like, hmm, maybe it'll feel more like that. Maybe it'll feel more like artist 
community of just like, oh, I've been working on these illustrations. I've been working on this thing. And so looking forward to kind of like updating the Discord and its channels and everything as we see people come in and interact with what's already there and everything. There's space to evolve. Yeah, place to evolve. And yeah, I hope it turns out well. (laughs) It's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Hoping for nothing but good vibes. Good vibes only. (laughs) Do you want to talk about, you know, your thrifting experience? Sure. So over the long weekend, I went with my partner to a family member's home in Nebraska outside of Omaha. When we had gone last year, we did not move from the house. It was straight from the train station to the family member's home, and we stayed there the whole weekend. We did not go anywhere. Because we are now vaccinated, I was finally able to go to Omaha for the first time and actually see the city. And I had thought in my head, okay, Omaha is more of a rural city and the people that are living in and near Omaha are very much a different demographic than who is living in Chicago and near Chicago. And I thought, I think this is going to be the place to thrift. I think this Mm. is going to be the good finds. I just had like an urge, uh, a premonition (laughs) that I would find some good shit. And I told my partner, Before the trip, I want to go thrifting. I want to go to one thrift store, spend an hour, uh, and then we're done. That's all (laughs) it has to be. And I am so glad I stuck to my instincts and I did that because I found the good shit. (laughs) And the good shit that fit me. Wow. Because being in the city... There's a higher population of thinner people and straight-sized people. Being in the country, it felt like there was a higher population of people who were on the bigger side of straight sizes or or who were plus sizes. The options for plus-sized people at the thrift store were staggering to me. Like, holy shit. I went in thinking, I'm going to find, like, one thing. And that'll be it. Oh, I found a new pair of black jeans. And that in and of itself was already mission accomplished because finding jeans that fit me is so difficult. I found a long sleeve vintage white blouse with a beautiful collar on it, like a lacy collar. I found a pajama dress that I'm going to use for Fairy K that is heavier and quilted. So it's more like a winter dress. I found a pair of mint jeans that are very on trend with the current jeans silhouette. And then I found a pair of pajama pants that again, I'm using for Fairy K that are a beautiful light blue and white gingham. And they reminded me immediately of the ACDC rag Kumakichi collaboration. Oh yeah, with that bear. Yes, yes, the light blue gingham. And I had kind of already resorted to the most likely situation that that line for the pants at least would never fit me. But I found these blue and white gingham pajama pants that are so freaking cute and I'm so excited to pair them. And then I found a couple of birthday gifts for Jessie because I am always on the look for things for friends. I found a vintage sheet that has unicorns on it and you know, right up Jessie's alley. And then I found another PJ slip dress that is light blue with some lace on it that I was like, ooh, got a couple of Christmas shopping out of the way there. And that is only the things that fit me and that I bought. There were other things that fit me that I didn't buy. There were other things that just barely didn't fit me. Were just a little skosh too tiny, but the amount of things that were so J fashionable was incredible. And it's making me rethink my entire view on thrifting because I've experienced thrifting in a suburb, living in California and Chicago suburbs. Mm -hmm. I've experienced thrifting in the city of Chicago and New York and Los Angeles. And now I've experienced thrifting in the country. And I feel like thrifting 
in suburbs is kind of a wash. It's difficult because, you know, suburbs are very white and it's all very um, LuLaRoe type shit. (laughs) Very, very, (laughs) very rough. Thrifting in the city is really fun, but it's extremely difficult to find things that will fit you if you are above a size XL. It's also expensive too. Yes, it's very expensive. And finding those kitschy things is so difficult. In the country, there is a lot of great basics. It's definitely still a treasure hunt, but the amount of super great kitschy items was, oh, I was floored and I was, I've never been more excited in a thrift store find in so long. So my recommendation for everyone, uh, try going to the country, go to the farmland and try thrifting in like a relatively bigger city compared to the other small rural towns outside of it. Outside of Omaha, there's nothing. Omaha is like a Chicago suburb, almost. Definitely a little different, but like the size and the traffic is relative. So that that's my recommendation. If you're looking for kitsch, go to the countryside and go thrifting there because you will find the funnest kitsch. And to round out our updates, Kamila, could you tell us about the updates for your comic? Oh, yeah. So um, December 1st, I will have debuted the comic on Webtoon. I don't know. I don't know what to expect because I'm just like, I don't know what happens when you put things on Webtoon, you know? (laughs) I'm just like, okay, I don't know what to expect here. But I do like the opportunity to receive feedback as it, as people are reading it rather than like someone buys the comic and it goes somewhere and then I don't know what they thought of it at all. I'm just like, all right, cool. I, I, I feel good enough that like they thought that they wanted to buy this thing. And even though I feel like I don't really do that great of job at promoting it people still just buy it from the site and I'm just like what's making you buy this like I don't (laughs) understand so I'm just like all right people just look at it and be like I'm gonna get this so I'm like all right well if I put this webtoon here if you build it they will come which you know isn't always true but I'm just like I don't know I don't need to be like some huge thing but seeing like people's reactions and stuff as it's going I think would be pretty cool and then I'll be able to um update it monthly in shorter births bursts rather than shorter births yeah (laughs) it is your baby (laughs) yes but yeah i'll be able to like put it out monthly rather than having to create a whole print book uh kind of excited Um, it's less daunting yeah less daunting um, though kind of a little bit more scary because I'm just like, oh no, what if like a, like a bigger pool of people are going to see this and then they're just going to instantly be like, hey, I hate this. And I'm just like, oh, oh no. thanks. <laughs> so it's a double-edged sword of like nervousness of just like, oh, okay. And then I don't feel like I'm like the best at making comics, you know? This is kind of still a learning experience for me as well um, as far as like writing and drawing different things. So for someone to just be like, hey, I hate this, gonna be like, oh, well, I was, I never said it was that good. I'm just, (laughs) so, so yeah, so I hope people are like gentle with me, but we'll see. Cause putting it on Webtoon, this might be random people rather than people that are just my fan base looking at it and seeing like how I've improved or how I approach it or something. It's just going to be like raw interaction, which I'm like, oh God. If you're hearing this and you want to check it out, please check it out. Support on the webtoon. Leave a comment of encouragement. <laughs> yeah, I was curious as to how the, you know, the creator dashboard, quote unquote, looks for you. Like, what are you able to see of people who are buying it? If there are reactions, comments, this is coming from someone who has not touched Webtoon ever. Oh, okay. So I don't think people buy anything on Webtoon. I'm thinking what most people do is like, there's an option where you could go see somebody's uh, Patreon, which I don't have 
yet. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of something that you can do. Uh, most of the time you could subscribe after you read like I think three episodes, which are kind of like the, the chapters or the posts. A little pop up will come up saying like, hey, do you want to subscribe to this? Or you could just subscribe. You can comment on it. Um, you can uh, like comments. You can like respond to them. There's like a thing at the end of each chapter where you can, the author can write like author commentary, just whatever you want to say about it at the end. I guess the reads, I guess you can see how many people like read it. And then there's different little lists of just like rising stars and originals and top five in the adventure category and ah, stuff like that. I so see. a lot of things that are popular on Webtoon, it makes me think of shoujo sort of things. Shoujo, Yowie. There are other things though too that are really pop. Like there's popular things in the fantasy category, popular things in the drama and the action category and stuff like that. Or like dailies where it's like daily, like kind of comic strip sort of stuff. Slice of life sort of things um, are popular on there. But I guess like Lore Olympus, that's where like that um, entity got really popular and stuff, which I don't feel like my comic really lands into any of those categories or something but I just figure it's like an easy place for people to read it if they you know want to like catch up on it for free and stuff rather than putting it on my just my website or something a lot of people who read indie comics or something do frequent the webtoons and um the infinite scroll is really easy to like view on your phone and things. So I'm thinking like, that's probably a good place to put it even still. If all goes well, I'll have a group of 10 people that religiously read this comic and just comment <laughs> on random character things. If things go crazy and there's more people than that, then I'll try not to be terrified. But... <laughs> But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I love how you have the two sides of wanting people to like it, yeah. but not wanting too many people to yes. read it. But also like <laughs> not wanting people to hate it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to, I'm reaching through my screen, grabbing your shoulders, going, make up your mind. Right, exactly. <laughs> this is like the, yeah, that is the hard part of this whole <laughs> thing of just like, I want people to read it. But then, like, I don't want too many people reading it. But then I don't want anybody hating it. But I do want people <laughs> to like it. And I need it to only be, like, maybe, like, 30 people. That might be fine. And But but then kind of more people. That might be fine, too. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm all over the place when it comes to this. So I'm slapping your anxiety <laughs> across the face. Yes. Like, get yourself together. You're a lasta girl. <laughs> Well, I think whatever happens, I am optimistic and hopeful that it will hit <laughs> and exceed your expectations because you got a good thing. And like you said, if they build it, they will come. And I think, I think you sell your, I think you sell yourself short a little bit. I know it, the, the accent just kind of came. Um, I think you sell yourself short a little and I think you got it. I think you got it. And I'm very excited and I'm very confident in you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that that means so much. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Before we get into our interview for this month, we want to give a quick thank you to all of our patrons, being Maria S, Avery G, Marina K, The Stitches, Jazz, Vesper, Jenna S, and Candy Graffiti. Droz, Yuki S, Vicky, Messy Toy Box, Mariah B, Fluffy Kawaii Joe, Caitlin W, Jaded Island, Yolanda H, and Poovy Thel. Thank you all so much for being patrons. We greatly appreciate it. I would recommend grabbing yourself a snack, getting a drink while we take a quick break, and then we'll head right on into our interview for this month. Before we get into our interview for this month, Kamila and I want to let you know about all of the ways that you can support OK Podcast. The best way to support OK is by joining our Patreon. By becoming a patron, you could submit questions to our monthly guests, get access to bonus content and interviews, and be mentioned in our thank yous in every episode. We've opened a shop for OK. To visit our shop, go to ok-podcast.com shop. 
we'll be adding new items to the shop, so check back frequently. While you're on our website, subscribe to our newsletter. We send a wrap up every month so you'll know all about the latest OK news. OK Podcast is also affiliated with kawaii fashion brand Holly Tea Time. If you want to buy kawaii clothes, support OK Podcast and get 15% off Go to hollyteatime.shop slash discount slash okpodcast. And that is O-K-E-I exclamation point exclamation point capital P-O-D-C-A-S-T. <laughs> yes. Your discount will be automatically put towards your order at checkout. If you want to support OK Podcast for free, tell your friends about us. If you listen on iTunes, leave us a review. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and share our posts when you see them. We'd love to grow the community around OK and all of this helps to do so. And with that, let's head into this month's interview. And welcome back. Today we are talking with Maddie, aka Maddie OK Smith. Maddie is a writer, voice actor, and showrunner for the podcast Neighborly. He's been wearing OG fashion since late 2019 and is an active member of the Irish Calm. He enjoys wearing color and has an admiration for historical menswear. You can find info on Maddie's podcast on Twitter and his coordinates on TikTok, both at MaddieOKSmith. You can also find his podcast by searching Neighborly with a U on your podcatcher of choice. Now, before we get into our questions, Maddie, I would love to know what Neighborly is, and I'm sure our audience would as well, and have something to add to their to-listen-to list that at this point I'm sure is extremely extensive for everyone in the world. So my show is basically about the street called Little Street, and essentially the premise is that every single house on that street is an episode of a podcast, and there's like scary stories and cute stories, love stories, and like all these different stories that are on this street the essential premise being like all of these people are interacting with each other but don't know what's going on in each other's lives and people seem to like it so maybe you'll like it too oh wow is it little plays or is it somebody reading the story it's somebody reading the story but there's a lot of meta stuff and a lot of very like addressing the audience kind of thing that's cool that's a cool way to like set up a podcast yeah, I mean, I like it, and so do our listeners, apparently. Yeah, I think they could. <laughs> I feel like the world needs more, like, audio drama style and story-driven fictional podcasts out there. Not to sucker punch our own show, but I feel like there's a lot of <laughs> non-fiction-based podcasts out there who are done yeah. with them. We don't need any more. <laughs> Nonfiction's pretty good, but yeah, I agree that it is most of the podcast space. I listen to about 30 shows a week, and most of them are fiction podcasts, though. So I'm, like, immersed in that world. So it's very strange to hear that, like, somebody might not listen to audio fiction. It's very good. Mm -hmm. I totally recommend it. Definitely. We're actually nominated for an Audioverse Award as well. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Our audience seems to like it. Mm. So if, if, if you want, if you want, you can vote for Neighborly if you like it in the Audioverse Awards. I don't know when this will come out. Maybe you could still vote for us. I don't know, but uh, it's on the table. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Wow. So getting into our questions for today, how did you first get into J Fashion, Maddie? So like I knew about J Fashion and I kind of had this general awareness of it in the space. I didn't like know any of the terms for it or I wasn't actively seeking it out. I just sort of knew that like alternative fashions in the West tended to be black, but they were doing things with like more colorful styles in Japan and that was interesting. But it wasn't until Sophia Nygaard's Lolita video that I kind of was like, oh my God, I have to find out if there's like a, a more masculine way of doing this because I'm freaking obsessed with this thing. So I found OG. <laughs> That's literally how it happened. And then I bought pumpkin shorts off AliExpress and joined my local <laughs> com and the rest is history. I think definitely um, it has to do with gender because before I transitioned, I like had no care for my appearance. I didn't really think about what I looked like and I didn't really put any effort into it. After I kind of found myself 
having a strong opinion on fashions, but not really feeling like I could engage in that space mm. myself personally, because a lot of menswear styles are quite subtle or simple or, in other words, dull. When I found J Fashion, I realized that I could express myself through clothes because there are a lot of men in Japan and outside of it wearing J Fashion and wearing interesting styles. And that's just cool, cool things. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And I've spoken before on earlier episodes about how I love to hear how people discovered J fashion for them from super early adopters to people who are discovering it like now, today. And I love to tie the threads together. And I don't think we've had someone on the show yet who is a later adopter. You started in 2019 and- Which is about the worst time to start, right? Like late 2019. Yeah, I was just going to say. Going off topic slightly, how has the pandemic in discovering OG fashion at like during this awful, awful time in the world, how has that affected your journey as opposed to what you think it would have been if things were relatively normal? Well, I mean, like I've been to a couple meets, right? Because like our com would have meets about like once a month and I went to our 10 year anniversary around in October, which was my first meet ever. And I was so overwhelmed because, oh my God, the dresses they made me i actually got like really emotional Aww. when i went there which i was not expecting and then i also went to another meet where we went to the irish museum of modern art and another one later on like literally just before we locked down where we got bubble tea together like i've kind of a little bit established myself in the local calm before everything happened. That's good. That's great. You got to touch some grass. Yeah. But it does mean the majority of my growth and the majority of my wardrobe's growth has sort of happened inside of this eggshell of pandemic. Um, and I'm ready to hatch. <laughs> <laughs> so I've I just been making loads of TikToks and, and having people who are outside the fashion have opinions on me and I'm just like, okay. I feel like that should be like a common like developmental thing. You post your some of your first chords and you're just like, I'm still an egg. I've not hatched yet. I'm still collecting things. I'm an egg. <laughs> oh, that's so funny because that's a trans that's a trans yeah. term. Really? Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, if somebody doesn't know that they're trans yet, they're an egg. And oh. like discovering that you're a trans is like hatching out of your egg. Oh do you know you're an egg? When you're an egg? Most eggs do not know they're eggs, but some people realize that they are trans and then stay in the closet deliberately and those are still counted as eggs. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I just find it interesting. If someone did know if they were an egg, they would just be like, yes, I am an egg. And then everyone would be like, oh, okay, I see. Like, I won't like judge you on the... You know, it's, it's typically something that you think about in retrospect. And it, it would be a very rude thing to call someone as well. Yeah, right. To just be like, assume that's yeah, because then that would be like, that's a personal experience. Though I will, I, w I will admit, sometimes I see people in public and I'm kind of like, you seem like an egg to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I totally. There's yeah, because sometimes people are just like, you seem like you're kind of like searching for something like the person doesn't know exactly what's that what that endpoint is going to be. But you know, yeah, some people just look like they're experiencing gender dysphoria and they don't know what it means yet. Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> Yeah, uh, and that sucks. And sometimes you want to like help them and be like, hey. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I can't. You got to go through this yourself, my guy. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Wow. Okay, well, I just learned something new. <laughs> Bringing it back. Honestly, like the gender thing, it's so interesting to me to think about like my gender in terms of OG fashion because of how the historical element, right? Which is, I think, what kind of makes Lolita and OG a little bit different from other fashions is that it's like inspired by real throwback fashions. Um, <laughs> like OG, I would say, would be like Regency um, and Tudor era fashions would be inspirations there. And that kind of makes me think about like 
people back then who would have worn like embroidered and like lace and like ostentatious dress was still acceptable for men until Beau Brummel and the French Revolution kind of made men's fashion a bit more subtle because, you know, if you if you dress ostentatiously, people are going to know whose head is the one that they have to go to cut off. <laughs> <laughs> but like in the context of a Lolita Com, it's just so interesting to me that like I can be wearing all pinks and stand next to a Lolita and like be seen as the masculine one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And as well, like the, the OG accessory thing that they... Have you seen that video from Deerstalkers? Oh, yes, yes. You're pulling it back way far. Yeah. When I first joined the com and they realized that they were going to have another OG, they did reference that video. <laughs> they were talking about how excited they were to have another OG in the com so that they could dress me up and use me in their outfits and give me all of their stuff. And it was completely 100% a joke and they haven't really done that. But like, honestly, I would be 100% chill if they were like, can you wear this color to the next meet so we can match or like send me a picture of the dress they want to wear and I could try and match it. And, And also like carrying their stuff and stuff because that's to me like an expression of masculinity that is so different and is very comfortable for me to be like that. And it just kind of makes me think about, I, now I'm doing that thing where I just talk a lot, but um, no, you're doing great. No, we love it. That's the whole point. Yeah. I'm, I'm fantastic at talking. <laughs> and then I'm just trying to like learn a lot because like I wear OG things, but then I don't really know too much about OG fashion and like, I don't know, even culture yeah. or whatever. So yeah, so I'm just like trying to learn this episode. <laughs> the other thing about it is like you think about this comparative to mainstream culture, right? And this idea of the accessory and who is the accessory in like this pairing of the masculine and the feminine. And in mainstream culture, it would be very much like I've got women with me, feminine mm. people with me, and and they are, um, you know, a symbol of my power. The trophies, the status. Yeah. In the uh, Lolita community, if you are an OG, you are very much like oh, you're my new toy now. You're like a, a little um, <laughs> thing that's going to make my outfit look so much cooler. Um, and it's almost like a status symbol as well. But like um, in a very ironic and jokey way that is never as dehumanizing as the mainstream version. But I think that that's one of the things that sort of makes it a subculture rather than just like a fashion, right? Yeah. I think that's so funny because like I, I've experienced that as on both sides where it's like in the calm I am kind of like that accessory to like my gal pals and I feel that masculine energy. But then my partner who is outside of the calm is kind of that like, oh, hold my things, take pictures, here you go, do the stuff. So it's like, while they don't dress up with me, they are my handler. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really interesting to be on both sides of it. And as someone who strives to be a trophy husband <laughs> i love feeling like that yes of just like ooh, yes i, I <laughs> you have got it so much it's like and this sounds so bad but like and it comes from the wanting the the desire to be a himbo yeah. but i want to be like this sounds so bad but it's like <laughs> i want to be an item i want to be an object to you yes <laughs> me no, but I get that. And maybe though. this is a little bit of kink coming in, but like, like I totally get that. <laughs> but it's like the support. You're the support. Yeah. You know the chivalry. You know, um, and I think it's it's like because we try to choose like one thing as like, well, everybody should be trying to be the main character star person at all times, and it's just like I think what we need to learn about like you know, gender roles and stuff is that you can go back and forth and like switch during like different situations rather than being like, I must stay in this particular role the whole time. You can't just stay like in the uh, one position of power, you know, like I'm the position of power and like, you know, everybody needs to stay like that. And it's just like, no, you kind of like get it's give and take. You switch when um, we need to. I think you really got it spot on when you brought up support. Yeah. That word just kind of brings it all together, I feel. Like, I'm here for myself, but also I'm here for you, and I want to do what I can for you. Right. Nothing wrong with that. I really feel like that that kind of support element, like, I feel like EGL fashion in, like, the community is very much, like, when you go out and you dress, like, it feels to me, my experience of it is it's a very communal thing. Like, I feel completely different when I go out to the bank in a coordinate than I do when I'm, like, 
having bubble tea with my friends and we're all dressed to the nines, you know, like it feels markedly different. And that's why it's so interesting to me to see all these people who are joining and who are finding the fashion in the pandemic. Their experience is so different, even from the couple of meets that I went to, of the communal element of this fashion is so different. Yeah, that's what I hope everyone who like joined during the pandemic and mostly from like online sources get get to experience someday, like out like in real life rather than just like online even if they get to that because I remember finding fashion on tumblr and still not really knowing how to get into that there was a community sort of aspect and that I could get into it like I didn't really get that from like just seeing like on tumblr there'll just be a post and it'll be like cute like and you just reblog it and there's like no (laughs) resource kind of next to it if you even know who it was so I I hope yeah, everyone gets to experience that because then that'll help them stay in the fashion longer, I guess. Though it is kind of frustrating as somebody who did all of my research for how to do this online to have people come into my comments or into my DMs and say, I did loads of research, but I still don't know some very fundamental things that I found out rather quickly. And I'm just like, did you did you do your research though? Like, did you honestly, or are you just saying that because you think that that's what I want to hear? Like, what's an example, I guess? If you hear some Somebody say, for example, like on TikTok saying, I bought these clothes secondhand. My next go-to would be to look up on Google or YouTube from from a Lolita blog or a YouTuber talking about like, where do you buy secondhand? But a lot of them are like, oh, I've done my research. I've been researching for a year and I still don't know where to get clothes. And I'm just like, how? Ah, yeah, I can feel that. Where do you buy your clothes? Right, right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is true. That is like... Everywhere, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, and that like, a lot of people who might not be as interested, who don't understand that like, it's not just clothes, like there's a skill involved when we're putting together outfits, and it's very much something you can practice and get better at, and it's very much something that is informed by sources like other people's outfits and like the historical inspiration for the fashion in the first place. I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, Lolita has rules and OG doesn't have as strict rules, I guess. As in like, we'd probably be very forgiving if you wore like suit treasures. I mean, I know I have, but uh, people who are like, oh, there's such strict rules. And I'm just like, it's like drawing. You have to master the fundamentals before you break the mold and do something different, you know? Yeah, right. Or maybe like if they so much complain about it, I just would be like, well, maybe this isn't the fashion for you. Like maybe you feel like you want to just wear something else that's more like, you know, free form and that's totally fine. I don't know. Don't say like, I really want to dress this way, but I don't want to dress this way. Like like it's just like, you don't want to follow the rules to look like how I look, but you want to look like how I look. Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of people do hear like da rules and are like uh no I'm not gonna wear that but like for me it's like you don't have to follow the quote-unquote rules they're not really rules they're like your base understanding of how to put together an outfit and how to make it look good and like a lot of things when I started out I thought looked really good and then I got like I'm here now two years in and I'm like, oh my God, why did I think that looked good? And that's the whole thing about the Eda face. But like things like I thought when I first joined, oh, I'm going to fill my wardrobe with over the knee socks. And I collected loads of them. And I was like, I love these things. They're so interesting. There's so many different patterns. And now I am two years in and I hate over the knee socks (laughs) so much. I hate them. And I wish I'd spent more time into finding like interesting tights mostly not even because of like how they look but how they look on me specifically is wild because I have a skin condition where uh like I have chicken skin I have keratosis pilaris and most people only get it on their upper forearms but I have it all over my body Mm. yeah I have that too yeah on my legs and then like I don't feel like I get it all like uh, of the top of my arms but yes mostly my legs yeah and on my legs it's like just like a plucked chicken peeking out in between (laughs) the uh socks and the end of my shorts (laughs) especially because like if the shorts have tight cuffs and if the socks have a tight elastic then it's literally just like a puff of of plucked chicken texture coming out at you (laughs) 
And also it's really hard because I have sock glue, but like, why am I gluing fabric to myself? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I thought at the start was like, I was 100% sure that you needed wrist cuffs, which like wrist cuffs are cool and they're nice. Um, good ones are expensive. The cheap ones are scratchy and irritating. Not even aesthetically, like they will be uncomfortable to wear. And the other thing that I thought was absolutely necessary was tiny hats. And I was wrong, <laughs> just objectively. <laughs> sounds so funny to like come to the meeting and be like okay I've got my tiny hat and then everyone's gonna be like okay but like you know what I mean like because I had seen other people in the community being like tiny hats don't look good but I was still like I can make them look good and then I realized no I can't (laughs) but I would have saved money if I'd listened to these people you know um and that's kind of my opinion on the rules is that they're not really you have to do this they're like here is what is like good fundamental things to keep in mind when you are putting together outfits and when you're shopping. So you don't waste money. And so you end up with something that looks good. Though I kind of feel like for some people, it's really helpful to have those guidelines. Like when they try to to go into something like, like say Decora, which is more like what I wear. They're just like, so what are the guidelines? <laughs> and I'm just like, there's kind of none Mm, yeah and they're just like how do i how do i put together the patterns how do i do the color schemes and i'm just like you're gonna just have to follow your heart (laughs) you're just gonna just kind of have to go with it and then they're just like ah those people i kind of want to say like hey you want to wear lolita maybe (laughs) yes (laughs) yes go into a fashion that has more guidelines then you can like get used to putting together outfits build up your confidence or something and then maybe try to go some into something like decor or there's just there's decora people and then there's lolita people (laughs) and you know (laughs) there's people who need order and there's people who like are naturally drawing the chaos i don't know (laughs) like with high school essays those guidelines can be freeing exactly Yes, the guidelines can be freeing right right i really feel that way about it but yeah i think that you should be allowed to get goofy with the rules i don't know how we got here in this conversation but i think you should be allowed to get goofy with them (laughs) i love that get goofy with it (laughs) yeah like what i said like if you learn the fundamentals of drawing it's going to make your cartoons look better so if you learn the fundamentals of how to put together a coordinate when you do something different and when you introduce something unique and original and strange it's going to look better because you've mastered those fundamentals and that's generally what i think of when people are like oh alitas are meanies i'm just like no (laughs) i mean there are a lot of people who absolutely go overboard in this kind of enforcement of it yeah i feel like not to like be like oh there should be meanies in a community or something but i just feel like it's kind of a necessary evil to like having a community because there's gonna be conflict no yeah i I mean i agree what i was thinking about was the example of do you remember i think he talked about it on this podcast before there was um somebody who won a competition and they had one coordinate that was like printed galaxies and they had big blue hair and another one that was inspired by the idea of being an eater oh yes oh yes Um, yeah pigment of your imagination yes 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 and that to me is the perfect example of like knowing what the rules are and playing with them and getting goofy with it right but people were still dicks about this because they were in 101 you know what i mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) like they were being like study the basics and you'll know that's not right and well it's like because pigment of your imagination was not doing the basics here. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. We talked about that a little bit and just being like, ugh, like, this doesn't make any sense. And yeah, and now we're like friends with them. Hey, Avatara. (laughs) It it gave me like old school vibes about both those coordinates. They like, especially the Ida one, old school, but it's not old school. And I really liked it. Yes. (laughs) How did the OG style diverge from Lolita and become concurrent. I, as a baby, because I only got into this two years ago, but I would recommend that you look at Lou Graves's videos, particularly one which I actually rewatched this morning to refresh my memory called like, what is OG fashion? OG means prince. Uh, a lot of Lolita is inspired by historical women's wear. OG is inspired by historical men's wear. Lou Graves 
lots of information. So he mentions in the video that like, while most Lolita's stub cells are kind of represented in OG now, for a long time, it was literally just gothic OG. And this is really like reflected. Like if you follow me, you will see that a lot of the times I will be wearing like the sweetest coordinate that you have ever seen in your life, but it is still a lot of reliant on black because it is so very hard to shop for OG fashion and avoid the color black. Yes. <laughs> so sad. That is that is my <laughs> my struggle. <laughs> Always trying to find something pink or purple. <laughs> there was a Metamorphose alphabet set that was in green, which was going on Lace Market, and I was obsessed with it. And right now we're having shipping problems in Ireland. It was coming from Canada, and I was like, absolutely no way this is going to get to me okay, and it's so much money, but I really, really, really want it. So I put in a bid anyway, and I was hoping for the best, and I got sniped literally the day the sale ended, like an hour before. Killed me dead. Hate it here. (laughs) Like, that's what I mean. It is ruthless. Like, black pieces for OG will stay up for so long because there are so many of them. One of the first pieces that I got is Alice and the Pirates' uh, regimental carousel. They have puffy shorts. I don't know if, if I even fit into them anymore, but they're just like chef's kiss so good like really colorful no dark colors in them at all like very bright and vibrant impossible to match with anything like the specific kind of wine that is in these shorts is like purpley and like reddish and like this matches nothing and the teal is like on the bluish side and i'm just sitting here looking at this pair of shorts like how am i supposed to match things. Those shorts, it was one of the first pieces I got, first brand piece I ever owned, and it just broke me. And I was like, I'm not matching things anymore. I don't care if it looks kind of good. It works. (laughs) So it sounds like the gothic OG style had like its foot in the door already because Mm. of vampiric gothic menswear. And then it kind of like converged with Lolita and then... As more people started seeing Sweet Lolita, they were like, oh, why don't we have it for like Sweet OG as well? Yeah, exactly. That's very interesting. I never really made those connections. Yeah, I mean, like we are absolutely like so linked in together. But the other thing about it is that like Gothic OG is still the dominant style and it makes sense because if you think about the mainstream fashion as much as we would like to cut away from mainstream especially when it comes to gender norms the masculine being colorful the masculine being vibrant even like sailor and like all of these other things or appearing as is often the case like childish in any way is not as accepted so yeah it's not as accepted and i feel like it's not as like vocalized that like people want that everyone's just like well i'll I'll do black or whatever and i think that may also come from like a fear of being perceived as too feminine. Yes, people aren't vocalizing it because of the societal pressure to not do that. So it's just like, it's a feedback loop. Like already dressing alternatively is like a step in the wrong direction if you're masculine or want to be perceived as masculine. And then trying to do something that is alternative and not stereotypically masculine, like that's scary waters, especially for a lot of cis men. Yeah, I totally see, see that happening even with my husband trying to like match me and my colorfulness it's like family that's just like your hair is a bit too long you're wearing a they call it the man bun and stuff like that (laughs) and it's just like well it doesn't have to be a man bun it's just a bun and (laughs) it's fine or like a ponytail is fine or (laughs) something like that and it's kind of just like this carefulness of just like well is that the guy version of this thing like like, I don't know. It's yeah. like weird. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. 100%. So what keeps OG tied to Lolita as opposed to it branching off into its own substyle? Is it just like the red string that can never be broken type of thing or? Well, I mean, so I wouldn't want that to happen. I wouldn't want Lolita and OG to be separate. I feel like we are siblings, um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I feel like maybe that could be one of the reasons is that we kind of enjoy this shared space that we have together. But I think it would be difficult to separate the two, even if we did want that. Because like, if you think about it, we all shop at the same places. Like the brands that make OG pieces usually make most of their pieces for Lolita's. And 
even though like an OG wardrobe looks very, very different to a Lolita wardrobe in that like you have different pieces in there, there's still a lot of overlap and a lot of our accessories would be in common. Uh, so OG is kind of defined by its proximity to Lolita, in my opinion. Like the pieces in my wardrobe that I would say like, these are my faves. These are the best ones that give me really nice OG coordinates. They're not shorts, they're jackets. My Baby the Starshine Bright Goblin jacket from 2007 and Angelic Pretty's Astro Regimen jacket in ivory, which I would honestly kill for in just every colorway. They've got like navy sacks and red that I want desperately and would kill. Honestly, uh, Angelic Pretty failed when they didn't release an OG coat of that print. I would sell my soul for even straight leg shorts in that print. They don't even have to be pumpkin shorts. Please, Angelic Pretty, if you're listening, I'm begging you, please. <laughs> <laughs> Angelic Pretty has to do a lot of things right now. <laughs> Even the name like OG of being like Prince, you yeah. know, that already makes you think of like, well, a prince is a part of something. It's a part of like this. Royal... I wouldn't even be surprised if the first OG looked at a Lolita coordinate and was like, what if there were shorts on it? I would feel more comfortable if that were the case. <laughs> like, because to me, it almost doesn't even feel like two different fashion styles, really. Mm. There's a lot of difference in, in composition, but I think that it's the same as like the gender difference in menswear and womenswear, more so than these are two completely different things. They're They're very much like if not the exact same thing, very much linked. Right. And it's coming from the same like culture too. So it's just like, oh, what are we going to do? The same things, tea parties and, <laughs> you know. Especially because um, we're both historical, even though not necessarily the same time periods that we'd be looking at. Because like the, the iconic pumpkin shorts shape is not from the same eras as most of the Lolita silhouettes would be from. Oh, okay. And explaining it, that way makes a lot of sense for me as like a fairy K primary person. There's often the conversation of like, oh, cello pets like are not super Lolita, like they're made by Lolita brands, but they're more so like fairy K, other kawaii styles. So explaining it in the way of like Lolita brands make stuff for Lolitas as well as other substyles, like that makes sense to me. That clicks for me. So I really appreciate that. Um, that explanation of it. And I mean, like, it's not like non... I've got a pair of trousers from Listen Flavor, but that would be like the only non-Lolita pair of trousers that I have because there is no non-Lolita way to get OG pieces, really. There's no possible way to remove OG from Lolita spaces and still have us be extant in the way that we are. Now, I want to be contrarian and make an OG-specific brand. Just say, <laughs> no Lolitas, OG only. <laughs> I mean, I think there is one, but I think they do, like, hats and shorts, and that's it. <laughs> Hearing that sallow pet thing, I'm just all like, okay, excuse me, so if I wear a sallow pet, like, I can't tag Lolita? Like, you'll just be like, well, general J fashion. And I'm just like, guys are lame. See, the thing about you saying the word salopet is confusing to me because salopet means something in OG that is... <laughs> oh, different? <laughs> um, So a salopet, when it comes to, like, what you're referring to is, like, this sort of low waistline skirt. But, like, salopets were originally, for OGs, they were originally essentially overalls. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, there's that, yeah, where they end in pants. Well, not, well, not pants, but, like, the shorts, yes. Sallow pets is, like, a core part of, like, my wardrobe. I know that not, probably not every wardrobe, OG's wardrobe, but, like, for me, my favorite piece right now is this sallow pet from Puda Mayo, which is, like, black and has white stars on it. You've probably seen if you see my TikToks because I will just throw that thing on <laughs> and it doesn't have pockets, but the thing about it is it's so sturdy because it's basically made out of this like flannel material. I feel like if I get dirt on it, I will just throw it in the wash and I won't even think twice about it. And also like I can style it really, really sweet. I can style it really, really goth. I can style it casually and I can dress it up. So it's just like my go-to right now, but it's a sallow pet. And I also have like Night Fairy Fantasia from Alice in the Pirates as a solo pet as well. And I have a, I think the brand is Classical Puppets, solo pet that is red with gold details. And so those are like my core, core pieces. And I know that solo pets as in the dresses are not technically Lolita, but solo pets as they originally were in the overall sense 
are core core OG, which is interesting because I didn't think about that until you just brought up the cello pets thing. Yeah, but then like it's styled very like at least in like the pictures, the outfits and stuff. I'm just like, well, that seems like it's styled very Lolita. So I'm just all like, uh. <laughs> I definitely think it is a matter of opinion. Right, right. But I also think that like what the brands decide is not necessarily going to be adopted by the community. And it's kind of like, whose authority do you listen to Yeah, there? right. You're so right. And the biggest dissent that I've heard is that because the waistline is so low and the skirt is so not exaggerated, it is too far removed from the silhouette to be considered Lolita and is more so like casual Lolita slash Lolita adjacent. The silhouette is very important to Lolita. It's so interesting because the silhouette is not as important in OG. So we kind of end up with the situation in OG fashion where you like look at an outfit and you're like, is it OG or not? And like, it could be wearing all mainstream pieces actually, which is so interesting because I don't think you could do this with Lolita, but you can make an OG coordinate out of all mainstream pieces. It would look very strange, (laughs) but it would still work. Right. Like even with like steampunk, they've got their puffy pants and vests and all that stuff. So I'm just like... And you can have straight leg pants in OG. I, yeah, I honestly can't. Can, like, it's right? one of those yeah. things that's so difficult to define because right. I can't, I can I can point at an outfit and say that is not OG. I can point at a different outfit and say that is OG, but I don't know where the line is exactly all the time. And I think that that is a difference that we have with Lolita as well, is that that is not as well defined. Is the growing awareness of OG fashion changing the broader Lolita community? Why or why not? Personally, I don't really go to the the Facebook groups that I would consider to be the broader Lolita community. I can only really speak from my experience. On TikTok, I follow just about every Lolita on TikTok that posts videos and I try to engage there and I'm mostly engaged with my local community so I wouldn't know. But that being said, I definitely see that pretty much everybody I talk to about OG has mentioned that they want to try it, which is very frustrating when you think about how hard it is to find OG pieces yeah. that are any good. Mm. Oh, and like, <laughs> don't enter this. Don't enter this. Don't become my competition. <laughs> I, I do kind of feel that impulse, but I shouldn't have to because like there should be more supply to meet this demand, you know? Like I would love to see Lady Sloth or Violet Fane put OG pieces like on their shops page. I've heard that if you contact them directly, they can work something custom out for you, Ooh. but I'm a coward, so I can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> Because I saw, I think it was My Spooky Macarons in an OG set on Lace Market. And I got sniped for that thing too. But I would (laughs) love to be able to have that. And to be able to have like some of Violet Fane's prints like in shorts or something. Obsessed with that. Because there is not a lot of European options especially. Right. Yeah, true. (laughs) And for us here at OK Podcast, me and Kamila only, (laughs) we are all for innovation and experimentation within J fashion. And I know you have been doing this a lot on your TikTok page. How is OG being experimented with and progressing from what it was like 10 years ago to now? And how is it being pushed further? I think that the more people get interested in OG specifically, the more people will want it to be more like Lolita, in my opinion. Because if you think about it, like one of the first things I told you in this interview was I found OG through Lolita information and wanting the masculine version of it. And I don't think I'm alone in that by any stretch of the word. I think that a lot of people will find OG through Lolita. OGs are, we're really nestled in there. We're in the Lolita environment. We're here and we're saying hi, (laughs) but from behind the Lolitas. So I definitely think that the more people join, the more you will see Lolita trends and people looking at taking inspiration from Lolita. I think there's a kind of a cycle going on there. Like I said, color is relatively new to OG. Messing around with putting color in. And I think another difference might be, I think there are more pirate OGs than there Mm. are pirate Lolitas. I think we're all a little bit pirate. I mean, <laughs> I, I will say, like, the times that I wear OG is, like, I have a Renaissance fair slash, I don't know, whatever character called Princess Ahoy. She wears from, like, Lolita to, like, OG. And she's a pirate queen. And she's a pirate, you know, and, and I got kind of the idea because, you know, there's, like, Alice and the Pirates. I don't usually, like, know what to wear to like a renaissance fair or steampunk conventions because i'm just like 
well, that's a lot of brown. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, I want to dress in pastels or colorful or something. What could be something that I could like wear to this that would fit me? And so I think like the first piece that I got for this character was Alice and the Pirates, this like dusty pink. I think it is, a, it's one piece. So it's a sallow OG version with the pumpkin shorts. But everyone was asking me, where can I get that? Because they're just like a pink. And I'm just like, it's, it's on that side. But it was the only one there. I <laughs> had to like <laughs> pre-order the thing because I'm just like, I don't see any other options for this. Since then, I've gotten a purple thing from some sort of Chinese Lolita brand. We stand Taobao. That's like half of her outfit. And it feels, I don't know, almost a little bit more royal about it because it's just like, oh, I am in my pants uniform. That means I'm ready to do business and I'm ready to fight. (laughs) And so I'm just like, yes, this is the diplomat. (laughs) Me when I get out of bed, it's time to put on my pants uniform and face the day. And so I'm just like, pirates. Yes, this oh, goes yeah. with... <laughs> pirates. Yeah, so I was just like, yes, I, I definitely conflate pirates and OG <laughs> for, for whatever reason. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so funny to think about, but like, even the ones who aren't going for a pirate vibe kind of have a pirate vibe anyway. <laughs> and then like, I think early in the conversation, there was like a vampiric thing. And it was like, ah, oh, vampiric, yes, like vampires. That is a really cool, like, other thematic connection to it. I think it's very useful for live action role playing. (laughs) Well, Maddie, thank you so much for taking time out of your day or night. I'm not sure what time it is there. It's 6 p.m., so not too bad. Thank you for taking time out of your night, for joining us, and for having this pseudo OG crash course (laughs) with us. If anyone's interested in learning more about OG, look up Gravelvet, like I said. Uh, also, um, shout out to Pretty Night Laurie on TikTok, Laurie Olivier, who you should follow because their coordinates are very good. And speaking of, if our audience wants to find more about you, I know we talked about it at the beginning, but give us your plugs once more. Where can our folks find you and interact with you? I'm very mysterious and difficult to find. <laughs> Only the elite few will manage it. Um, but <laughs> if you want to follow me on TikTok, that's Maddie OK Smith. So I'm Maddie OK Smith on uh, TikTok and Twitter. And you can also follow my podcast at Neighborly with a U. And somebody said that they were worried about misspelling it and saying damn British podcast. And I got really offended. We're not British. I need to, I need to put that on the table. I'm an Irish person. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. And just follow along with this, Maddie. With that, this has been OK Podcast. My name is Hayden. My name's Kamila. And my name is Maddie. We will see you all next time. Bye bye. <laughs> you did great.